0: Learn more online at MediaMakingChange.org or in person at Citizen, our nonprofit coffee shop and program space at 3636A North Mississippi Avenue. I'm Molly Jean Bennett. This week we're speaking to another of the Willamette Week's 2017 Skidmore Prize winners. Today we have a conversation with Janice Levenhagen-Seely of Chick Tech.
1: This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm Phil Bussey. I'm joined by another one of the Skidmore Prize winners, Janice Hagen seely How are you doing?
2: I'm great. How are you?
1: Good. So you are one of the Skidmore Prize winners, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Uh, you, run. talk to me. So Chick Tech. Yeah, it's it's large, sprawling and doing great work.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're a national nonprofit now. We're actually working to go international, which is pretty exciting. So we have uh, 20 chapters across the country. And our mission is to get and keep girls and women in high tech.
1: So let's let's start by stating the problem. What's the problem, and 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 uh, chick tech is is uh, part of the solution. So what's the, what's the problem?
2: So the problem is is that women are not opting in as girls and young women into technology fields, and then they're also not staying in technology. Um, so it's not necessarily their fault, right? It's the the culture and our society telling them that it's not for them, and then a toxic culture that often drives women away once they're in technology. And uh, the the bigger problem is that is that then women are not having an equal say in our future.
1: Yeah, and and I want to talk about that a little bit more about what uh, what impact or uh, tenor of technology it has to have more women involved. Um, so part of the solution though is working K through twelve.
2: Yes. Yeah. So K through 12. That's uh, we. So we work on both the pipeline side and the retention side. And uh, for our K through 12 programs, we focus on getting girls who don't think of themselves as technologists, but who have the aptitude to do well in it.
1: And and how how do how does that work? Is there's a curriculum that's been developed, and you work with teachers, or does Chick Tech parachute into a school and and (laughs) uh, rescue or inspire?
2: I mean, that sounds exciting. That may be be a good new model. Uh, So we work with schools to get teachers to nominate girls to our program. So it's a year-long series of opportunities for high school girls. And we bring all the schools together uh, to one place. So it's in Portland, here we do it at Portland State University. Our our kickoff event, and uh, we bring in a hundred girls. We actually served one hundred and twenty seven two weekends ago, um, which is our biggest cohort yet, which is really exciting, and and so the teachers find the girls who they think have that aptitude but who haven't opted in yet and give us their names and then we provide a congratulations letter to those girls uh, to get them to feel excited and like they actually have um, the ability to do well in this in this field Um, so we do workshops we do mentoring uh, we're working on an internship program during the summer and really, we want to be the gateway to technology for these girls. So we're not expecting that after they go through Chick Tech High School, that they'll be able to immediately go out and get a coding job full time. But we expect that their confidence will be increased and their interest in a technology career will be increased and their sense of a community and sense of belonging to the technology industry will be increased so that then they go on to choose other opportunities that are out there.
1: And and so participants need to be nominated. You said, are are, are you reaching out, or you being the organization mm-hmm. reaching out to the teachers and providing guidelines for the teachers of what to look for in terms of qualities in these in the these girls?
2: Yeah, kind of. So we think that most girls have um, the ability to do well in a technology career because there's just so many different types, and so we're not. We don't say, oh, you have to have taken the ACT and you have to be in the top, you know, the 90th percentile or anything. Um, we, we say, you know, two thirds of the girls shouldn't have opted in yet. We ask for 50% be eligible for free or reduced lunch because we really want to find the girls who maybe haven't had those other opportunities before. And this will help to open up their eyes and give them those opportunities. And then we ask that the teacher thinks that they have that untapped potential because so often teachers know when either a girl isn't living up to her potential or they see something in a girl that the girl just isn't, isn't really aware of. And so that gives the teacher the opportunity to help that girl in a really easy way, you know, explore a little bit more.
1: And so it's a one-year program for these hundred or so girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's two thousand plus, then across the country.
2: That's our that's our goal. Some of our chapters just started last uh, the last couple of weeks, and so they're they're not going to have their full one hundred girl cohort. But that is that'll be the goal is one hundred girls per chapter as those chapters get going.
1: Okay, so so one year program and uh, girls go through it, and and what looks like success at the end of that year, because at the end of the year they are set free. Or they're, they're, that sounds wrong. They're, they're, they're left with they their own devices. Yeah. Um, they, you know, you, you, the, you, you, Tic goes away. The training wheels yeah. go away after that year. Is that correct?
2: Well, so that's something we've actually been working on. So as we've been growing, we now actually have staff, which is really exciting. And so we're actually able to, Work on some of these problems that have been that we've been wanting to work on since the beginning. And so, one of the things that we're actually doing this year is we're launching Chick Tech College. And so, that'll be a kind of revised Chick Tech chapter that that obviously lives in a university. So we're again working with Portland State University for that first pilot program, which we hope to launch in January. And so there's that. And then we're also working this year to bring girls back from previous cohorts as volunteers, so that they feel like they're still part of it. And then some girls do apply again to get in, and so we we can't tell them no because they're so excited. So they they come, and that's that's exciting. But uh, we also have other opportunities, like the middle school camp that they can volunteer with, where we're going to do a robotics boot camp for the first time with First Robotics and Ortop um, this next summer, uh, which will be another opportunity. And then we're we've just started a newsletter a monthly newsletter to all of our girls across the country that have been in cohorts before and uh, telling them about scholarships, telling them about other opportunities like NCWIT and competitions and um, all those other things that they just hadn't been on their radar before. We want to tell them what all those opportunities are.
1: This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. We're talking to Janice levin Hagen Seeley, who is the founder of Chick Tech, and also a Skidmore Prize winner, which is part of the Willamette Week's Give Guide. We're going to take a quick music break. We're going to reach back to the early days of the internet and with an artist, Poe. light. This is the nonprofit happy hour on X Ray FM. We're talking to Janice Levin Hagen Seeley, who is the founder of Chick Tech and also a Skidmore Prize winner. I want to talk, how did you get started in this work? I mean, that, that seems so integral to the story here because you are helping, Chick Tech is helping uh, girls get started in tech fields. How did you start?
2: Are you asking about how Chick Tech started or how I started in tech?
1: I'm asking how you started in tech. I mean you cool. okay. <laughs> you grew up and you grew up largely in, in Wisconsin on a dairy farm, which is not the first place that one thinks of to find yeah. uh, the, the next Steve Jobs.
2: <laughs> That's true. So I actually didn't get started in tech until I moved just before I turned 17 to Eugene. And I actually, even there, didn't get started in tech until my grandma actually, so I was really, really good at math. So I was on the math team when I was in Wisconsin. I won awards, won every award that both of my um, high schools offered in math. And no one had ever suggested that I do technology, even though the guys who were on my math team were pushed into an AP programming class. And my grandma one day just happened to say, you know, you're really great at math. You should do engineering. And I was like sure, I guess. And uh, so I ended up applying for colleges and I applied um, and I was looking at aeronautical engineering, um, computer engineering, and uh, international business, you know, just to mix it up a little bit. Um, But I actually got my scholarships ended up limiting me to computer engineering. Um, Turns out there's no aeronautical engineering um, programs in Oregon. So who knew? Uh, So it it was interesting because I really just fell into technology, right? It wasn't, there weren't a lot of programs that really pushed me into it. There wasn't a lot of peer or, you know, support in my school for it. Just a random comment that one person made one time. And I think that that's one of the reasons that Chick Deck can be so successful is because these girls just aren't being told anything about technology and aren't being told that they can do something great in it. And it sometimes only takes a weekend with us to make them decide that they want to go into a uh, technology career. And um, because that's that's less than what I had. And I ended up in it. And I actually didn't realize when I started that it was that it wasn't something that girls went into. I just had so little context. And so I ended up I didn't start programming and I didn't start doing anything really with technology until I got into college. And the problem with that is that then you know, you look around. So you go into something, you realize there are no women there. There's nobody like you. There's just these guys and they're all pretty much the same, you know, and they also with, you know, the cockiness of 18 year olds, right, like definitely feel like they are amazing at it. And you look at yourself and you're like, wow, I'm not amazing at this. I don't even know what programming is. And so you start to feel inferior. And so, I ended up with imposter syndrome, uh, so I basically, no matter how great I did, you know, no matter what my grades said, no matter what my teachers said, I felt like I was an imposter, and I was just waiting for people to find out. And it's very stressful, and um, it hits a lot of women in technology, um, and it just it just makes everything harder because you're second guessing yourself all the time.
1: But you pushed through that. How how did you push through that? And 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 uh, or or. I guess in some ways is chick tech you traveling back in time to give yourself advice.
2: <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, so I actually I pushed through and got my degree. Um but I also was dealing with sexual harassment and discrimination. And between those three afterwards, you know, after I graduated, I basically was like, you know, clearly the technology industry doesn't want me, so why should I bother being here anymore? And I left the technology industry. And so, you know, fast forward after I got my I went back and got my MBA. And ended up starting Chick Tech after that. And it is really me trying to make it so that no other women and girls have to have such an awful experience that I had. And it's a way for me to get my power back because I felt so powerless when I was in school. Um, There would just seem like there was nothing that I could do. Just the whole thing was against me and who I was and um, I know that a lot of other girls and women feel that way and so this is my way to not only get my power back but to give that power back to um, the women and girls who are out there dealing with the same thing by creating this really strong community that has each other's backs.
1: So you're you're coming out of business school and, and you're, you've, you've been in the uh, tech training world at this point. Why start a nonprofit? I, I, I would think that there'd be uh, a, a certain push to maybe, you know, make for-profit summer camps or to make this more of a business rather than a nonprofit. Do you, can you go back in time and, and yeah. think about why you made that decision?
2: So um, I grew up in poverty in Wisconsin, and we just didn't have anything. And there were so many opportunities that I was told about it was a program called uh, peg the program for exceptionally gifted and it was i think on the east coast and i just remember like seeing seeing these brochures for it, and they're like inviting me and i'm like this is so exciting and i could have gotten a scholarship but we couldn't afford my plane ticket even you know and so i know how hard it is when you don't have money to take advantage of these opportunities And when you're even when you're having to apply for scholarships, there's this stigma for it. And it makes you continue to really feel like you don't actually belong there because you had to have help to get there. And I wanted to create a high school program that was for girls like me, you know, the girls who couldn't afford it or the girls who needed that extra support to feel confident enough in themselves to be able to try something like this. And if it were a for profit camp, it just it just wouldn't be the same.
1: And and you had a grant then from Adobe, is that correct?
2: Yeah. So the Adobe Foundation has actually um, supported us for the last three years, uh, and that's been really helpful. I I don't you know sometimes I don't think funders realize how important they they are when they give you that first grant um, because we were um, it was hard you know it's hard when you start a nonprofit. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's interesting though. I mean, because you being in the tech industry. Uh, and, and and working with uh, girls, women who want to be in the tech industry, you're around a lot of startup mentality. I would imagine.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: But it's a different type of startup mentality than the nonprofit startup mentality.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know we did, you know, we did basically grow up around um, other tech startups, and so we were we were around it. We felt like we were a tech startup. We went to tech startup stuff, um, and it, it's it's different and the same, you know, it's still a lot of hustling. It's still a lot of like working really long hours and just making it happen because you believe in it. Um, but I think we had both the advantage of passion for the mission as opposed to just passion for starting something. And then we also had, um, uh, but we also had the issue of, we can't, we can't get like Investors, you know, I mean, we can get investors, but it's not the same, right? If, so when we're talking to like VCs or or angel investors, like we're not talking to them about funding because they're 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 interested in seeing a, a return on their money that is money and not just a better tech industry.
1: And 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 that, that those last few words you said a better tech industry. So obviously, chick tech is creating opportunities for young women uh, and to develop their careers. What about what impact or what difference do you think this will make on technology itself? Of having more women in, will there be different products? Would the iPhone be different if more there were more women programmers, designers? Would will the internet operate differently?
2: Yeah, I I think so. I think that the more women that we have in the industry, that particularly, I think that women women's problems have not been. Being solved very well, and um, I think that the more women who are there in you know in any any other group that is underrepresented in technology, you know their problems are just not not being solved um and so that's that's a big thing, but I think that we'll also solve other problems better as well um so they they've shown that a more diverse team solves you know comes up with more creative solutions to to issues and i'm I'm really excited to see. Um, To see what we can come up with as a as a industry and as a society when we have that uh, that equal say. Um, And one of the examples I I use around, um, you know, women's problems not being solved is um, actually mammograms. Right, so when we are when we look at um, mammograms, right, women are supposed to be having them once they start, once they turn forty, and then I think it's forty, um, and then after that, I've been I'm happily not forty yet. So and we'll give out
1: the disclaimer <laughs> that nonprofit Happy Hour does not give out medical advice. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: yes. Um, So the the general mm-hmm. idea is you have to have these every few years once you reach a certain age, and women avoid it because they take two plates of metal and they smash your breast as thin as they can get it and so it's painful it's humiliating it's you know hard to convince yourself to make that appointment and go do it and so that means that if you wait for too long you know there can be there can be actual real health issues um and I bet that if more women were in technology that that would not be the case and so I always I always joke that if the only reason the only way that you could find testicular cancer was to take men's parts and smash them between two um, two plates of metal as thin as they could get them that all the men in the world would band together and solve that problem in 24 hours.
1: <laughs> well, well put, well put. Um, so switching gears from smashing testicles <laughs> to talking about the Willamette Weeks Skidmore Prize winner, um, <laughs> you are you are one of the, this year's Skidmore Prize winners. What what does that what does that mean to you?
2: Yeah, so um, it means to me that a lot of times when you are doing a nonprofit, it it's hard, or when you're doing any startup, it's hard to look up and decide if you've been successful or not. Um, and you know, because you you're always so focused on like what's the issue of the day, like what do I need to solve, what prop, what fires do I need to put out. And so – and a lot of times, you know, especially at the beginning of a startup, it's – you have to sacrifice a lot. So I was working 80 hours a week with no pay, and I have two kids and a husband, and they all felt very neglected a lot. And so um, once we got the Adobe Foundation money, I was finally able to um, get a full-time salary, but it had been three years, right? And so there was a – to me, winning the Skidmore Prize – helped me to feel like somebody had recognized that sacrifice um, and the sacrifice of my family and had like almost like not celebrated it, but been like, you know, look at what you've created based on all of that sacrifice that you've done. Um, And that was that was really rewarding to me.
1: Janice Levin Hagen-Seely is the founder of Chick Tech and one of this year's Willamette Week Give Guys Skidmore Prize winners. Chick Tech's grown Enormous. I mean, 20, 20 cities. Yeah. Uh, what what is the next five years bring for it?
2: That's a good question. It's always it's so hard to look that far ahead. When, so we've been doubling every year. Right. And so once uh, I mean, once we hit a certain point, that's going to probably be hard to do. Um, but we you know, this year we're looking, you know, as I mentioned, we're doing Chick, our TikTok Chick College pilot program, our First, uh, robotics boot camp um, and our rural program. And, you know, when I look at like our college program and our rural program, either one of those could easily be almost its own organization because it has so much potential. And so what we're looking at is continuing to grow those programs over the next few years, you know, have school clubs that are part of our broader community. Um, We're working on Chick Tech Canada. Um, I was just in London last month as well. Um, trying to stir up a little trouble, you know, uh and so I think we have a lot of opportunity to create this international movement, and you know again, it's all about creating that community, and so we call it Chick Tech Nation, and we want to build an online community that connects everyone everywhere who is part of this movement, so that a girl in Africa can talk to a gr- a girl in London and learn about her life and they can share their their experiences. And then that can make them start thinking a little bit more critically about their lives. Or, you know, I'd love to talk to, um, you know, women all across the country and learn more about their lives myself. Um, and that because it just always puts your stuff in in perspective um, in so many different ways.
1: Thank you for coming in and congratulations on the Skidmore Prize.
0: Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corp that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change in KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is Molly Jean Bennett. Emily Curtis is our associate producer. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where our handle is Nonprofit Hour. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to molly at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in, and cheers!